0: Today on It's Time So no matter what circumstances going on around me I can still have peace with God I hear the calling its time Its
1: time Welcome to It's Time The daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler Pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike.
0: went down and bought a new refrigerator and then the next day they go on sale for half price. I have done things like that. You know, you've actually experienced this or somebody is moving and they go, do you know anybody that's got, wants a almost new refrigerator for a hundred dollars? We're moving and we can't put it in the moving van. And you go, Oh, I wish I wouldn't have bought that. Making God the chief financial officer of your life is so good. God knows what we need, the Bible says, before we even ask. That's why the positive confession movement is so screwy. Because if I'm going around telling God what I want, when God already knows what I need before I ask, all I have to do is align my will with God. God will take care of me. Somebody said one time, well, you you, you need a good deal. God knows where the good deals are. God knows how to take care of you. You pray, you ask God, you seek him. He opens and closes the door. Never get mad when you pray and God says no or closes the door. Well, I'm going to buy this thing. And, and then God closes the door and you go, well, God, I thought you loved me. No, God says I do love you. That's why I close the door. God's got something better. God ever says no to you, it's because he loves you. You're his child and he's going to take care of you, you make it better than you better than it was before. The love of money. Is the root of all evil. Now, you've heard this misquoted oftentimes. Money is the root of all evil. No, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And here's why money's a neutral thing. It can do great, wonderful things for the kingdom of God, it can do terrible things to individuals, and it hurt people as well. Money's a neutral thing. Somebody asked me one time about rock and roll. It's it's rock and roll of the devil. Maybe you've heard that. Uh, Well, music's a neutral carrier. It can either have words in it that glorify God, or it can have words in it that glorify the underworld, uh, the things of this world, or whatever. So, money's a lot like that as well. Money is a neutral carrier. It can do great things for kingdom of God. It can do terrible things and hurt people as well and destroy the individual that has it. So he says, the love, and if you like to underline things in your Bible, you might want to underline the word love because again, that's your affection. The love of money. Well, I pray that your love is for God, not for things that are perishing we don't know, and I often think about this in, in business and so many people in business because they don't make God their CFO, their chief financial officer in their, in, their, in their business. You know, there's a lot of really bad things out there in business that'll get you. One of them is competition. Another one is obsolescence. You think about, uh, you might be the, the, the captain in 1900 of the biggest buggy whip factory in the world not realizing that cars are going to replace the buggy and a buggy whip factory isn't going to be worth a whole lot. You see, see, when we pray, I believe God motivates us. And you know, in the book of Proverbs, it says God holds the knowledge to witty inventions. And that's how to keep from becoming obsolescent, whether it be in our business or our home or our love life. Well, there's nothing worse than falling into ruts, is there? You can fall into ruts no matter what we do, no matter how precious, no matter how wonderful. How are you, darling? And it just becomes ritualistic. Well, again, inspiration comes from God. Communication is that part of God because it reflects the value system of God. Notice he says, if you like to underline in your Bible, again, underline the word love, the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Oh, my goodness. This this doesn't sound like a good thing at all, does it? <laughs> you want to say, well, I want something that's going to be good for me. You know, money can take your heart away from God. I, I remember years ago and uh, back when church first started and there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of young people getting saved and the hippie movement was on. And, oh, yeah, I mean, God, please let the car start one more time. You know, oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, God got a hold of our priorities. I remember one time one of the guys that got saved in our church went on to be one of the pastors up in the Boise area. But I remember after church, we went to one of the local restaurants and I'm sitting behind him. And he said, you yeah, know, he says, I, I got saved uh, and and uh, uh, I, I I don't have any money. I was selling drugs, so I I, I I I'm broke, and and so then we went and had a baptism, and my contacts washed out of my eyes, and now I'm blind and broke. But he said I got a job and I got some glasses, and so things are getting better. Well, that's true. That's the way God works. God does make things better. God does restore. God does rebuild all these things. But He realigns our priorities, so we're not spending three. 5,000, whatever, 305, whatever amount of money on drugs a month or on booze a month or all these other things that are killing us. God helps us get a handle on our priorities. And all of a sudden we start having money. Well, gosh, this is wonderful. Lord, thank you that that I had money. I, I went out and bought a car that runs. I don't even pray about my car starting anymore. And not old washing machine that would go clunk, a, clunk, a, clunk, clunk, a, clunk. Oh, God, let it do one. I mean, you you got the whole family gathered around the washing machine laying hands on it. Oh, God, let it do one more look. And, 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 and it does. Oh, hallelujah. But now that i got money, I bought a brand new washing machine. I don't even pray about my washing machine anymore. In fact, I really find that I can use money and I don't pray about anything. That's why Jesus said, how hard is it for the rich to go into the kingdom of heaven? It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. I've heard all kinds of story. Well, there was this little arch and and camels had to get down and kind of get on their all fours and kind of scrunch along. I, I really don't know about that. I heard that story. I tried to check it out. I, I, I never really found any validity to it. I believe it's, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than the rich to go into heaven. That's what Jesus said. I, I just take him at his word. Why is that? Why? Because of this. I can supply all my needs. Visa MasterCard can supply all my needs according to the riches in the bank. Here's the problem. It's where our hope lies. And so again, I, I just want to encourage everyone here. Um, let God be God. He wants to be God, not only of your eternity, but he wants to be God of your spending today and to be wise with what we have. And God is so good. And 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 by waiting on the Lord, uh, I, I have found sometimes we'll pray and because God didn't answer it just like that, well, I get God didn't hear my prayer. I guess I'll go ahead and do what I was going to do. Give God time to work. I had a person one time tell me, they said, well, I've been a Christian um, for, for a while and things are still rough in my life. I said, well, how long, how old were you when you accepted the Lord? And he said, well, I was 35 or 36, something like that and how long you've been saved 3 months <laughs> i go so you've been messing your life up for 36 years and you've given god 3 months to straighten your life out how generous you are why is that well because god works in time now why does god take time to overhaul us? Why does God take time to change our value system in our life? From, as an example, from material things. The world saying, well, whatever you have ain't good enough. You got to go out and buy new shiny bright if you're really going to be content. How, how, do, how do we make that transition? It's because I think if God changed us all at once, it'd kill us. I, I really do. I think that's how messed up we are. I just do. But God in his love knows how to meter out to us what we need to change in our life. Because the reason why, again, is because life and who we are is so complex. And, and again, we realize this, that one area of your life directly affects another area of your life, which affects another area of your life. And pretty soon you have this giant mosaic of every piece having an interaction with another piece. That's why I, I love God's loving, uh, scalpel that goes through and takes out the stuff that doesn't belong because everything is interrelated sometimes. And so the Bible says, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. God does that. But sometimes in our willingness to release things to him, well, this is where I believe God and his love works with us. Well, he says this, he says they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Now, verse 11 is neat, and if you like to underline things in your Bible, do that. I did it in mine. The next verse, verse 11, the word but, I circled it. Why? But you, O man of God, literally, you're different. You're different. The others pierce themselves through with many sorrows, but you are different. He says, But you, O man of God, Flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession of the presence in the presence of many witnesses. See, see what he's saying here? He, he, he's telling us you're different. The world is pursuing Something that they think will make them happy. And no matter how many millions of dollars they will accumulate, they still aren't happy. There's still something that, because if it's amount of money that you get to that makes you happy, then that would work. But you'll find that no matter how much anyone has, they always want more. Why is that? It's the restlessness of man's spirit, see, because they're not born again. So the thing is, what he says here, pursue these things righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Those are the things that bring about the settling in our heart. So no matter what circumstances going on around me, no matter what the value system may be around me, no matter what the devaluation of the peso may be around me, I can still have peace with God because it doesn't matter. And by the way, we we see it in our own country. You You know, it's really weird. Um, our money in our pocket. Ever look at that? Ever think about that? My my little girl said, I I said, now this is a dime. Mm -hmm. This is 10 of these pennies. Mm -hmm. This is a nickel. This is five of these pennies. Mm -hmm. Why is the nickel bigger than the dime? I mean, if you look at it, it's sizably larger than the dime is. Wouldn't it logically make sense that that would be worth more than a dime would be? But the size of our currency, the size of our dollars and cents, is reminiscent of a bygone era. The reason a dime is the size the dime is, is because it represented once upon a time, a long time ago when the earth was cooling and dinosaurs roamed the earth, it meant that they were made out of silver. A nickel was made out of not silver, but nickel. Uh, And by the way, I believe the nickel is the last piece of American currency that's actually worth what it's worth. In other words, there's a nickel's worth of nickel in a nickel. Your pennies, by the way, they're not copper anymore. I don't know if you know this or not. They are copper-plated zinc. Because if you have a real penny made before 1982, there is three cents worth of copper in a penny. And we can't have our money worth what our money is supposed to be worth. So they got rid of that. And the quarter was a representative of the weight of silver. Half dollar was more silver, twice as much as the quarter. And then a silver dollar was actually uh, basically an ounce, not quite, but uh, an ounce of silver. That is what established monetary. And people say, well, what difference does that make? A lot. 1964, you could go down to the bank, get as many silver dollars as you want. You get a old sack of them. You go down and will get a whole sack of dollar bills. Grandma calls her two granddaughters up. Honey, I, I want to give you both a thousand dollars. I, I want to. I want you to go buy a new car, and I'm going to give you a thousand dollars. 1964. She gives one daughter, one granddaughter, a thousand paper dollars. She gives her other daughter a thousand silver dollars. Okay. A thousand silver dollars in 1964 would just about buy you a brand new Volkswagen Bug, okay? Now, I know I'm getting a little dirt road here, but I'll come back on us, I will. Uh, maybe in the Volkswagen, I don't know. But, but anyway, okay. A thousand paper dollars, 1964, you could go down, buy yourself a brand new Volkswagen Bug. Now we come to today as an example, a thousand silver dollars, worth roughly twenty dollars a piece. That's twenty thousand dollars. What will twenty thousand dollars buy you? A brand new car, brand new economy car. What will a thousand paper dollars buy you? Not even a wreck, not even a used car. The point is, when nothing is tied, when your money is tied to nothing, it's whatever they say it's worth. The last thing I want to do is have my value system as a Christian tied up in a system where somebody else says what value is. I'd rather go to God who says what value is. And God says value is people. You see, that's where he's telling us here. He wants us to realign our value system with God's. To fight the good fight of faith. Hold on to eternal life, which you were also called. Again, it's the only thing going from this life into the next one. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Jesus Christ who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time He who is the blessed and only potentate, the great sovereign power and the King of kings and the Lord of hosts, who is alone, immortal, dwelling in an inapproachable light, to whom no man has seen or can see and to whom be honor, everlasting power. Amen. Paul is writing to Timothy saying, keep your priorities right. Don't let the world affect your value system. The world's value system will pierce you through with many sorrows. And he's saying, if you do this, Jesus gave a great testimony. Isn't it weird that he mentions Pontius Pilate here? And when you look at the words that Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, there were very few. Pilate looked at Jesus and said, So are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responded and said, you said it. It's really weird. It wasn't in the abundance of words that his testimony was made, but the exactness of his words. When he said, I have the power to let you go, he, and Jesus said, you have no power whatsoever. The only power you have is what God has given you. And when Pilate heard that, he didn't get mad at Jesus. and say, well, you don't understand... <laughs> The Bible says that Pilate and Matthew went out and tried to seek a way to release Jesus. I think Pilate was touched in his heart. I think Pilate knew. Unfortunately, many people are touched by God in many different ways, but they don't make a response to Christ. And so they remain what they are. Now again, when it says he's the only great potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the supreme power. There is nobody else. Anybody that tells you, well, you can go get married and you're going to be a god yourself over your own planet someday. There is no other gods anywhere. In fact, going to Isaiah 44, it says that God is God. Besides me, there is no other. And the words in the Hebrew mean no other God anywhere, any place in the universe. I like that. He says, who alone has immort- immortality. You know what a dead person needs? Life. I always think it's funny. You always see these different commercials, and they always claim their product ads life. I remember uh, a potential lawsuit. One beer company said that they are product ad life. And they went after this guy, and, and um, I'm going to sue him. And uh, basically what he did is he was going to just represent himself. He was just a a farm boy pastor. And he uh, said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wheel into the court. Uh, I'm going to get a stiff from the local morgue. And I'm going to pop and pour your product all over that stiff. And if he gets out of that casket, I will relent, pay you whatever damages that you want me to give you. And if he doesn't, I can prove your product doesn't add life. And the company dropped the lawsuit against him because he could prove that it doesn't add life. Only God adds life. So he says, command those who are rich in this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. And by the way, that's what I'm talking about. Uncertain riches is where somebody else says what something is worth. In other words, when your money's not tied to anything, it's not silver, it's not a a, a dime's worth of silver or a quarter's worth of silver or a silver dollar, it's a slug, and they say how much the slug is worth. Well, what you might have been able to buy in 1964, a new car, it's so devaluated that it doesn't buy you anything today. So the fleeting riches are not where you ever want to put your hope, Don't trust in them, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. In other words, use what you have, bless others, give it to God, and God's going to be the one that ultimately is going to be the one that makes up the difference. Friends, that's a great thing. I, I'm, I'm glad that, that we have a family, that, that when we see somebody in need, we can help them. I think all those things are so important. Oh, Timothy, verse 20, guard what was committed to your trust. Avoiding the profane and vain babblings and contradictions of what falsely is called knowledge, uh, whether it be science, whether it be the news, or whether it be education. Be careful of those things. They try to take the place of true wisdom that comes from God. And in and, and contradictions, which they call knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith, grace, and be with you. Amen. He says, guard what is committed to you. How do we guard that? We guard it by faith. We guard it by action and we guard it by doctrine. That's how we, we do. That's why we know what's acceptable and not acceptable. Letting God be God. So important. This morning is communion and, uh, it is one of the most special things i I was raised in church and i always understood the cup was jesus's blood but the bread was something that was a little obscure but it's by his stripes were healed and you know as i shared earlier we're very complex we're a mosaic and if one area isn't working right if the part of the puzzle is missing it causes a, a, a a problem in other areas and i believe that's what the bread is all about this morning as we have communion, if you're a Christian, if you accepted Christ as your savior, you're invited to break bread with us today. If you're not a Christian, before we go any farther, I'd like to pray. And if you'd like to receive Christ as your savior, you're saying, I, I'm, my priorities are all goofed up. My, I, I got, uh, you just need to repent. Just let God do it. The Bible says, stop living your way and let God show you what to do. Let's pray. If you need to get right with God, you just pray this. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you in my life today. I repent of the foolish way that I have lived. And I ask from now on that my life means something in eternity and today. And so I ask you now, as I commit my life into your hands, make me the best I can be for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me. And I'll give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website. At the RiverChristian Fellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.